evening, everyone. Um, hold on one second. My head's and me aren't getting along. Okay, sorry. <coughs> Live from My Mother's Circus, we're going to be talking about canon events and your writing in fan fiction and in fandom and um, when to let them go and when to put them down and you got to know when to hold them. Yes, yes, I did just quote Kenny Rogers. About the circus thing, there's a phrase in my family that every woman in my family uses in reference to um, a situation they don't want to be involved in. And it goes like this, that's not my circus and those are not my monkeys. Well, the other day, me and my mother were in my car, my brand new car that my husband bought me. Thank you. Um, um... And um, so I've been driving it around like crazy because, you know, it's new. I put <laughs> I put 300 miles on it in a week. <laughs> I need to stop. Anyways, <clears throat> anyways, I uh, I was with my mom, and I, and I honestly I, I forget what I said, and I looked over at her, and she had this look on her face, and I was like, what's wrong? And she said, I just realized. And she's looking at me, and she says, that is my circus, and that is my monkey. (laughs) Well, I certainly didn't pump the gas, that's for certain. Anyways. So, back to, uh, tonight's topic is about canon and the use of it in your writing in fan fiction. Now, originally, Penn asked um, a couple of questions in her original question that I answered last night, um, and... I neglected this part of her question because I got on a tangent about the Hobbit fandom and then I forgot. So <clears throat> we're uh, <clears throat> um, going to talk about that tonight. And the question is: is what kind of canon research do you do? At what point do you usually decide how much of canon you are ignoring and what you want to change, major and minor? I think this dovetails really, really super nicely with um, my uh, my big show, Deja Vu, is the same character, a different reality. Because what happens when you're building um, your plot and you're building your story is that you have to um, not only pick out the foundation of your character and how they're going to move and interact in this um, AU that you're creating for them. And yes, um, Deja Vu was also a question by Penn. She asked great questions. Is that the right pronoun? If it's not, you let me know. I I don't know. I I don't really keep track. Um, Anyways, uh, uh, when you're getting ready to write an AU, and one of the things I think that happens in fandom and so that it stories end up end up looking like um original fiction with just the names plastered across them and, and there's no foundation for the characters and there's no foundation for the original fandom that you uh you end up um just basically writing original fiction with with familiar names, but unfamiliar characters, and on shaky, shaky ground. So 
as much as when you're cre- when you're moving your character into a different reality, you have to pick foundation characteristics that you keep that it it firmly grounds your character in the original interpretation of the character, uh, like Harry's hero complex and um, Harry's kind of sarcastic in canon. And um, Ron's prone to jump to conclusions, and he's prone to mouthing off. And Hermione is prone to retreating behind books when she's upset or when she doesn't understand something or when she needs to understand something. So um, these are characteristics that you pick up and you put into your writing to keep your characters um, tethered to the original canon interpretation of them. So they look familiar, but still new to your reader. Um, actually, I think this is actually one of the one of the things that I can say that I think I do well, um, that I uh, that I can move a character around and, and keep their core, but still change enough about them that they're fresh and they're new in a different AU, that you don't know quite what to expect. Um, and that even though the Rodney in what might have been and the Rodney in Ties That Bind and even the Rodney in Sentinels of Atlantis are vastly different characters, they are still Rodney. Um, and I think this is a skill that you that you get over time. Um, and if you're not quite there yet, don't be discouraged because a lot of people who are good at this, and I think Jilly is actually very good at it too, she showcased that in during Rough Trade um, over the summer when she did her little black dress and she used Tony Denoso's character across three different AUs with a great deal of success. Uh, it's a fantastic reading. You guys should go over there and read her stories on Rough Trade. They're still there. Uh, <clears throat> but moving Tony around in these different AUs, his voice was still there, and you could still see the the Tony that we see in NCIS, but there was more. There was a little twist on him each time. He was a little bit different. He was impacted by his reality. Or, yes, there are, um, they are available on her website now, and you can download them as e-books. Um, he was impacted by his circumstances and his reality in each one in such a way that he was fresh and new with each story, yet he was still a very familiar character to you, um, um, to those of you who watch NCIS or who are in the NCIS fandom. So and I think that is also something that you can take into um, founding your new AU in the universe, but keeping that universe on point. One thing that I don't read in Harry Potter are non-magic AUs. I don't understand the point of a non-magical AU. I don't read modern Hobbit or modern Lord of the Rings. I don't see any point. I, that's not what I want in that fandom. Um, I occasionally read Teen Wolf these days. I don't read non-werewolf AUs. I don't understand. That's the whole point. Teen Wolf. And even if you let them grow up and they're no longer teens, there should still be wolves. Wolf. So that's just me. That's just my personal thing. And so one of the ways that um, I try to canon 
but also let go of the canon is to pick out characteristics that, of, of the canon that, uh, that appeal to me. Like, I have an FBI IAU where John and Rodney have never even heard of the Stargate program. But how do you keep them um, in a situation where it feels like they're in the same universe, but you don't mention the Stargate? And that can be really daunting because um, if the Stargate exists, they don't know about it. None of them know about it. All of the characters from SG-1 and SGA are um, in the FBI or peripheral to it. Um, it's also a Sentinel Guide AU, and it's available on my Facebook page currently as an Evil Author Day excerpt. You can see a little bit of it. And it's called If Your Heart's Not In It. And one of the ways that I kept, I hope, a canon feel was um, leaving the team dynamic in place and that Rodney has a team of people around him, and um, I left Elizabeth in a leadership role, and I left um, Zelenka in a technology role. He's basically their, um, their Garcia. Oh, God. I'm sorry, I just got distracted by the chat room. That is the most horrible thing I've ever heard. Public service announcement. Do not write your fan fiction like you're writing a script. It is the most terrible fucking thing I see, and I'm seeing it more and more in fandom, and you need to stop it. Just just stop it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, like if you're moving in to say, say you want to write Teen Wolf, okay, but you want to do an AU, um, you want to keep all the hails alive. Maybe you want to skip that whole werewolf Jesus thing. Um, there, there are ways to ground your story in the canon mythos without using all of the canon. And um, you just got to pick and choose what's important to you, but more importantly, what's important to your story? What do you need to happen in your story? What, Like, for instance, if the Hales live, then Derek is an alpha. Is it important that Derek be an alpha for your plot? If it is, if it's important that he be an alpha, you either need to let the Hale fire happen and let his mother I mean, and let his sister be murdered, or you need to develop a way for him to become an alpha without losing his family. And so you have to keep that in mind. Is it important that Derek be an alpha? Does Scott need to be bitten? Is it important for your plot that Scott be a werewolf? These are the questions that you ask yourself. You have to ask, do I need this canon event, or does this canon event get in my way? Um, can I twist it? Can I move it? How does it serve my plot? How does it serve my characters? Does it make it more difficult for my situation to exist? For instance, if you need to have like a love triangle thing going on in Stargate Atlantis, Jennifer Keller's a built-in foil for the for the McKay Shepherd pairing. If you need um so do you have to kill Carson? No. You could actually send him home to take care of his mama. He don't he don't have to die. Is Elizabeth um in the way? If she's in the way, you move her. Is she not in the right role for the expedition, which is what I did in Sentinels of Atlantis. I didn't want to get rid of Elizabeth's character, but I needed her not to be in a leadership role. So I put her in the role of an ambassador, which is where her bailiwick anyway. That's well in her wheelhouse, and um, it makes more sense to put a diplomat 
in charge of an of a diplomatic corps than it does to make her the leader of an expedition to another galaxy um, where hostility is a given. The SGC has rarely gone through the gate and not encountered some hostile force. It is unrealistic to assume they could go to a different galaxy, be cut off from Earth, from supplies, from support, and leave a civilian in charge. It makes no sense. It was a bad call. He loves his hammer. Really, seriously, it was a bad call. So is this a call that you want to keep and explore that dynamic? And John um, uh, uh, flailing under that lack of direction and that lack of control. And because the thing is, is that John might have had a few issues with authority going to Pegasus, but he comes back with a whole host of them because Elizabeth's not a leader. She's she's not a military mind. She's not someone he can depend on as a commanding officer. And it makes it and John is deeply uncomfortable with the leadership and it shows over and over and over again how uncomfortable he is. So you have to ask yourself, is that something you want to explore with John, or do you want to put him in a position of power? Or do you want to put McKay in a position of power? Do you want to bring O'Neill along with you? I don't see anything wrong with bringing that silver fox to Pegasus. I really don't. It's just what you got to do, right? O'Neill's going to have to take one for the team, and Daniel Jackson really wants to go see Pegasus. It just it, it greatly depends on what you want to do with your AU, and the placement of your characters and the placement of canon events are only as important as you want them to be. A lot of people have a hard time letting go of, of canon. They they have this need to rehash canon and kind of tweak it to make themselves comfortable, which is why you'll see a lot of um, AUs uh, in, 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 in the Harry Potter fandom where, uh, of course, Harry goes shopping. But also, but the, the events pretty much stay the same all throughout it because they're not comfortable creating their own plot yet. It's always really fascinating to watch these writers grow, and the first story they put out is a, almost an event-by-event copy of the original book, but it's got a, just a little bit of a twist. Harry's a little more independent. He makes his own decisions. He asks questions. And then the next thing they put out is a little more and a little more and a little more, and that growth is awesome. Of course, it's also terrible when that growth doesn't happen. It's that, That's why I want to bring you to my table, so so that you grow, so that you grow wings. So so you'll have wings and you can fly and make terrible decisions and um, kill people in your fiction. You know, whatever you got to do. <laughs> These are some canon events in Harry Potter that I feel are necessary to the foundation of the... Uh, the story. Any story that I write... Um, I feel like the Chamber of Secrets has to happen in some form or another. Jenny has to have the diary, for good or bad. Um, 
Harry has to confront the basilisk, whether he kills it or not. It one way or the other. Um he has to meet Tom Riddle in the diary. He has to. I think it's super important for Harry to meet Tom Riddle when he's 16 years old or ever how old he was in the diary. Um, I think it's super important for for Harry because later on, um, that memory of Tom Riddle as a young man um, has impact on Harry. So I think it's super important that that, that experience happened one way or another. Uh I think that um Pettigrew um Wormtail always has to be the betrayer. I I can't I've only ever watched I mean I've only ever watched Flash. I've only ever read one story where the redemption of Wormtail was unreasonable to me. And it was a time travel story and um Hermione goes back in time to the Marauder era, and she defeats Voldemort, and she does it for Harry. And she meets his parents, and she meets the Marauders, and she she, she meets everybody. She ends up at Hogwarts, and she kills Tom Riddle. And she's known throughout the entire Wizarding World as a hero, and she kept... Peter on the path of the light while she was back in time. So when in the future when they're putting Harry Potter on the train and they see Hermione Granger come through the portal um with her big hair and you know she's so excited and they're all so pleased to see her. And they can't wait to introduce Harry to Hermione Granger. And it is, and 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 Hermione Granger is famous, and she doesn't even know it. So she's like, she kind of takes Harry's place in in canon, and and, and it ends there. So I've I've never read a sequel, so if there is a sequel, I don't know about it. And if you asked me the title, I couldn't tell you. But what stuck out to me about that was because of her interaction with Peter when he was young. He stayed in the light, and he didn't betray anybody, and he didn't become a Death Eater, and he got married, and he, and he had kids, and, and he was just this regular person. And her redemption, um, the author's redemption of um, Peter in that story, it made sense to me. But after he betrays the Potters, I there's no going back from that. There is no going back from that. He led the darkest wizard of the time to the Potter's house, knowing that Voldemort's only goal was to murder a fifteen year old a fifteen month old baby. In in that respect to me, he is no more redeemable than Snape. Um because Snape had no interest in saving Harry or James, only Lily. Now put yourself in Lily's position would you forgive either one of these men? Because I wouldn't. I'd cut their fucking heart out. Both of them. Just imagine if Lily had survived and James and Harry had both been murdered. If I were her, I would have carved I would have carved Severus Snape's fucking heart out in the middle of Diagon Alley with a dull blade. I, I 
No. Because I'll say it again, I've said it before. If Severus Snape had loved Lily the way he said he did, he would have been the first to die for her baby. Period. So there are some can events that you can you can play with, you can move around. But if you go too far and you pull too much, what you end up doing is creating a situation where your reader's not comfortable. And if your reader's not comfortable, the AU isn't. Um, your foundation is shaky, and you've 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 let too much stuff go. You've you've removed too much. So what you need to do for yourself, and this is your decision, not anybody else's. It's not mine. It's not your critique partner's. It's not your betas. It's your decision. You need to decide when you're moving a character into an AU how much of the character you want to keep, the foundation, the founding characteristics of your character and the founding characteristics of your world. What about Harry Potter do you want to keep? What's important? What events in canon are essential to your plot and what can be removed and what can be ignored. That's um, basically how I deal with canon. And um, sometimes I keep a lot and sometimes I keep very little. But I think that if you keep the important parts, that your reader isn't going to mind so much. But if you take out the really huge events, the 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 events that make... Uh, or the characteristics that make Harry Potter what it is, or Stargate what it is, or Teen Wolf what it is. If you if you take too much out, what you're left with is um, an original fiction with the names, with recycled names and, and or recycled characters. That that is all you've got left. And I don't think of that as fan fiction. And if you want to write that, if, if if that's your path to your own original fiction, and it is for a lot of fan fiction writers, they move and they move and they move and they move and they let go of more canon over and over and over again, and then they let go of characteristics in their characters until they're writing um, original work with the names, with familiar names. And that's a method that a lot of fan fiction writers go through on their path to creating their own work. And that's a perfectly acceptable path to take. Um, but don't be surprised if it puts readers off, because it might. Okay, that's really all I wanted to talk about for tonight's show. I do have a public service announcement, and this is my new one. I'm re- I'm replacing No Ass to Mouth, which is always super important, but I think you guys have gotten the um, the memo on that. Um Penetration does not equal submission, period. You guys have a good night.